Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. The show that keeps you updated with what's happening in the world of royalty, from the British royal family through to the aristocracy and current events from around the royal world. Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash and I'm in the studio with Rachel Allerton who is the Secretary for the New South Wales branch of the Richard III Society. Welcome Rachel. Thank you Carolyn. Just some questions for the listeners who are not familiar with Richard's mm-hmm. story. Who was Richard III? Mm-hmm. Okay. Richard III was a the last uh, English king to actually die in battle. His reign ended in 1485. He actually had a relatively brief reign of only about two years as he basically took over from his brother Edward IV. Now, uh, one of the biggest controversies about Richard, Richard III is whether or not he usurped his nephews, Edward V and the Richard Duke of York, their role or right to inherit the throne. And um, a lot of people are still sort of say, well, and look at him as the main suspect as to the murderers of the, the princes in the tower. So, But the thing is, we actually don't know what happened to the princes in the tower, uh, Edward IV's children. And um, one of the aims of the Richard III Society is is to, I guess, research and investigate sort of the the real actions of Richard III's life and to, I guess, do away with a bit of the propaganda and some of the mystery, I guess, that his reign is sort of surrounded in that, that comes with, I guess, Richard III. Yes. Can you tell us more about Richard III's society and when did it start in Australia? Okay, well, the Richard III Society was founded about 1924 in England, actually, and it was originally called the Fellowship of the White Boar. Now, it was started by a gentleman who and a, a group of fellow sort of amateur historians who really did feel that a lot of the the writing and historical current historical research on, on Richard III was inaccurate and unfair, and they sort of set up a little group or membership to, as I said, to, I guess, to combat some of these and to bring, I guess, more truth to the matters. And the Richard III Society has sort of been active in Australia since about 1981. And there are a number of branches. We have at the moment sort of over 100 members in Australia. And in, there's also membership in New Zealand and across different um, nations. Who, and we all sort of link into the Richard III Society, which is sort of mainly based in the UK. Where do you think Richard III's body should be buried, seeing Westminster Abbey is no longer an option? Okay, well, the Richard III Society is at the moment, we're sort of maintaining a position of neutrality because well no one actually can own Richard's body and as we know there is a, actually a court case happening to decide on whether or not there should be further consultation on where he should be buried. The main choices at the moment seem to be York or Leicester and I guess we'll be awaiting sort of the further the outcome of the further deliberations but I mean personally I think that Leicester University has they've had a great project in looking for grey fires the the actual cathedral and wanting to I guess do further research research on Richard III. So I guess we'll guess we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> yes. And SBS recently had the documentary Richard III, The King in the Car Park. Mm. And what did you think of that gave you an insight into how they went about doing the archaeological dig? Uh, yeah, no, look, that was a fascinating program. Originally, the, they didn't actually expect to find Richard's body at all. They were, the main thrust of the investigation at the time was to excavate Greyfriars itself. And the fact that they actually were did manage to locate his body almost by, by a 
fluke, a chance, a, a good fortune really, is we're incredibly lucky that he was actually found in the 500th year of his um, anniversary of his reign. Um, and a lot of people like Philip Langley, as you say, would actually think it was almost he was looking to be found himself, uh, you could say. Um, it's a fascinating program. I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in Richard III to actually watch and review. And it gives a good overview, I guess, of what they found and what some information as well on his physical condition of scoliosis as well. And also Philippa Langley wrote a book, The King's Grave as well, which is very interesting reading. Yeah, she wrote that in conjunction with... Michael Jones? Yeah, yeah, with Michael Jones. And they basically were recording their experiences of the dig. And yeah, I believe the book's out at the moment as well. Hmm. So would you recommend that book as essential reading about Richard? Look, it's not actually about Richard III so much. I would probably recommend a few of the more current non-fiction sort of um, books on Richard III. If you're interested in the actual actual dig. It's certainly well worth a read as well as, yeah, looking at the other information on the Richard III Society uh, website because they definitely do keep up to date on what's happening with the current court case, what actually happened on the Looking for Richard project, as well as the current research on Richard III. Yes, well, mm. we can add a link on the rightrawroundup.com.au mm. mm. and anyone interested in finding out more about Richard III Society can jump online and have a look. Mm. And also with the Richard III Society in England, that there's also for people outside Australia, they can. There's also links. Yeah, the, the Richard, from your site to theirs. Yes, there is. So they can actually um, jump online to the New South Wales Richard III branch. We have our own website. Our currently our next meeting is on April the 12th at the Sydney Mechanics Centre of Arts, and that will be focused on I think some of our medieval storytelling with Dr. Dion Speed, which is our next meeting. So if anyone is interested in coming along and hearing a bit more about Richard III or some of the other topics that we do meet on and discuss we'd love to have them there sure that you'd mm. love to come along so that um, know where to find them mm. anyway thank you very much Rachel for coming in and no, speaking nice. with us a pleasure and that was Rachel Allerton from the Richard III Society visit Right Royal Roundup on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup Or you can check out our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au. Prime Minister Tony Abbott has restored knighthoods and damehoods after they were abolished back in the 1980s under Bob Hawke. Outgoing Governor-General Quentin Bryce will be made a dame and the incoming Governor-General Peter Cosgrove will be knighted. Mr Abbott said Her Majesty the Queen has amended the letters patent constituting the Order of Australia on his recommendation. This special recognition may be extended to Australians of extraordinary and preeminent achievement and merit in their service to Australia or to humanity. This new award will go to those who have accepted public office rather than have sought it and who can never, by virtue of the office they have held, ever return to private life. Will that mean another royal visit for the investiture ceremonies in Australia at a future date? On Right Royal Roundup, time now for a British royal family update. News and views from Buckingham Palace.
Prince William will be working at the Foreign Office to find out how the government works and to learn diplomacy after he finishes his 10-week agricultural course at Cambridge University, possibly after he and Kate return from their trip to New Zealand and Australia. Meanwhile, Prince Harry and his girlfriend Cressida Bonus have gone to Kazakhstan, which was made famous by Borat. They are staying at an exclusive resort for their private ski holiday after arriving by helicopter. Kazakhstan has a cold winter, which ensures a longer ski season. However, unlike Borat, Prince Harry certainly won't be donning a mankini as portrayed in the sun's mock-up picture, probably because it is so darn cold. Prince Harry and Cressida were seen embracing in public at a Swiss ski resort over a year ago, whilst on holiday with Prince Andrew, his ex-wife Sarah Ferguson and their two daughters Beatrice and Eugenie. According to sources, it was Princess Eugenie who introduced Harry to her friend Cressida. Their relationship has been declared official since Prince Harry and Cressida have been seen together more often in public. They will be hosting an official engagement, a private dinner party at St James's Palace on Thursday the 27th of March to honour those friends who participated in the trek to the South Pole with Walking with the Wounded last year. However, Cressida won't be officially greeting the guests, although she is effectively the co-host, with wives, girlfriends and partners also welcome to attend the dinner party. A documentary about the trek recently aired on British TV but no news when it will air here in Australia. However, Prince Harry has caused some concern for security after joining a public gym to work out in Marylebone or Soho. It has caused a stir at Third Space Gyms where membership costs £139, that's roughly 250 Australian dollars per month, as other members try to get close to the Prince. Security has been forced to remove a few people who were trying to take unflattering photos of Prince Harry. His personal trainer, James Gilbertson, enjoyed a successful career as a Royal Marines commando before becoming a fitness instructor. A source said Prince Harry has been having one-on-one sessions with his personal trainer for a while. Welcome to Right Royal Roundup with Carolyn Cash. Now crossing live to the throne. If you've encountered trolls on social media, you're in very good company. According to one report, trolls have posted offensive comments on the British monarchy's official Facebook page, including a couple from Australia. This page has people posting links to promote their products, as well as spam and YouTube videos. Despite a warning at the top of the page that says any offensive or inappropriate comments will be deleted, these trolls post nasty comments about the Queen, Prince Philip and the Duchess of Cornwall. The British monarchy launched their Facebook page back in 2010, which posts news, photographs, videos, speeches and daily updates about the royal family's activities. The court circular, the records of the previous day's official royal engagements, is also posted on Facebook. However, there is a problem of the royal household being accused of stifling so-called free speech if these posts were deleted along with all the spam. The Queen is said to be very enthusiastic about keeping up with technology with help from her grandchildren. The British monarchy opened a Flickr account in 2010, Twitter in 2009 and the royal channel went live on YouTube back in 2007. In 2006, there was the first podcast of the Queen's Christmas Day message and the British monarchy's official website was launched back in 1997. Television cameras were allowed for the first time into Westminster Abbey for the Queen's coronation in 1953. For any royal information heard on today's show, check us out at rightroyalroundup.com.au.
Princess Eugenie celebrated her 24th birthday on the 23rd of March. She shares her birthday with British Royal Correspondent Rob Jobson, who is often seen on Sunrise and The Morning Show on Channel 7, and Margaret of Anjou, the Queen Consort of the Lancastrian King Henry VI, who fought the Yorkists during the Wars of the Roses. However, we forgot to mention it was Prince Edward's 50th birthday two weeks ago as he celebrated with a huge party with members of the royal family at his estate, Bagshot Park, the night before. However, on the actual day, the 10th of March, the Grenadier Guards played Happy Birthday that morning outside Buckingham Palace. And the Earl and Countess of Wessex visited Robert Browning School, where he was presented with a large birthday card, everyone singing happy birthday before Prince Edward cut the cake. Later that day, Prince Edward accompanied the Queen, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall to the Commonwealth Observance Service at Westminster Abbey. That's all we have for this week. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to your company next week. You've been listening to Ride Royal Roundup with Carol and Cash. Tune in next week for more of the latest royal news from around the world. And don't forget to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Right Royal Roundup or visit our website, rightroyalroundup.com.au.